Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm back. Hello. I'm He's not back fully everywhere. back. I, I still think I still sound 100%, but I'm getting there. I've still got the vids, still doing the little test, still poking the old throat, and it's still coming back positive. But I can record stuff. I can say things. You, you could, to be fair, though, mate, you won't be coughing any more than you usually do on these <laughs> podcasts. So I welcome no, there is you a, back. There is a, a base level of feeling gross that always sort of permeates <laughs> my being anyway. But um, yeah, so still battling the COVID. Massive thank you genuinely to everybody who got in touch to say get well soon. It was really, really nice um, over the last couple of weeks because I, I forget when I first said I had COVID. I've had it since last two weeks ago on Wednesday or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, massive thank you to everybody genuinely. It's very nice to see. Um, but also, this is the Untitled Banner Podcast. I'm Scott Hilford, joined by Jules Gill. UBP, UBP, UBP. UBP, where we ask people for various thoughts, whatever they would like us to talk about. And we've got a lovely smattering of stuff because all sorts of different video game things have kicked off across the last couple of weeks. Yes. So we'll get to as many talking points as we can. First thing is from Lee Go Brick, great name, who says, uh, what do we think of... Well, he says, do we think that Rockstar are going to phone it in for the Max Payne 1 and 2 remake i expect disappointment or do we think we'll be pleasantly surprised now rockstar aren't making mm-hmm. the max Payne remake it's remedy remedy apparently went to rockstar and said they wanted to remake max Payne yep. one and two, um with a uh, they called it like a triple a remedy budget so it'll be something like control i guess um but what was your what's your thoughts on all this well i mean the fact that remedy have just basically said look we don't trust you with our property so please let us <laughs> actually go back and make it uh i feel very confident that they will deliver something amazing because mm. when you look at uh what control did it basically took a lot of elements that max Payne did like especially with time manipulation and like mm. the, uh, the way that it had a free-flowing approach to combat mm-hmm. if they can take those and add a layer of polish onto the original max Payne, i am here for it however i do worry that they with the triple a budget they might look at things that they have made in the original game and see them as stuff that needs to be changed like mm. i for one personally love the sort of film noir comic book i was just gonna say that yeah. from those like cutscenes. i don't want them to approach them with a level of let's make them in full gritty realistic 3d mm. because it was that it's that sense of a this is a good cop gone bad story that lent itself well to that sort of like um that grim like noir film mm-hmm. uh, aesthetic. I, I feel like it, it kind of taps into that Sin City vibe that was yeah. very popular at the time. And mm-hmm. I feel like if we change that and turn it into just like a generic action blockbuster that mm-hmm. does tread the same things, that the the aesthetic change might actually 
mean that the message is lost somewhere as well. well. It's like, for me, like, Max, like I, I adore Max Payne so much. Like when I actually yeah. saw this announcement, I was like, cool, fine. I already had, I play Max Payne 1 and 2 quite a lot anyway. They just released Max Payne 3 on backwards compatibility last year, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mm-hmm. have a 60 frames a second patch. I was like, well, you patched that first before you go back to <laughs> Max Payne 1 and 2. Play Max Payne 3 in 30 FPS in 2020. That must be so weird. It just feels really weird because that game's so gorgeous and deserves way more eyes on it. Um, But yeah, they remade Alan Wake um last year or the year before, just like, you know, and almost entirely a visual overhaul so i kind of wonder mm-hmm. how they draw the line on max Payne because uh, max Payne one and two feel like pc shooters they don't feel like console shooters um, yeah you know, you're yeah. rotating the camera more than you feel like you're actually moving a character like if you play if you yeah. contrast them to max Payne three that character has way more uh, weight to him and stuff so i wonder how much they go back to like the feel of max Payne and if they want to change it to be more in line with three and then maybe yeah. we get some sort of trilogy release or something but yeah I am um, that comic book thing that you mentioned that was really interesting yeah. because their budget was so small back then. It was a tiny yeah, they just had to make do, didn't they? Yeah, and it, it was like, like no, no offense. Like, like you go back and look at the game, it looks like like absolute <laughs> crap. Like it is not, it's not a good looking game. And they took there a lot of, of like stitched them on. Yeah, there's a lot of like areas where the environments, especially, could be expanded and improved mm. on because uh, imagine like uh, you know they go through certain sections of like the subway terminals and stuff like that where mm. every room felt the exact same. Yes. Like. It would be great to go through those same areas but have like like trash floating about in this sort of like gunfights like uh, loads of extra obstacles to hide like bricks mm. and uh, like um the tiles of like the subway things being blasted apart like in the matrix oh, each sick, that actually, would actually be yeah. really cool if they if they double down on the physics side of it like really enhance like the yeah like make like the yeah, matrix but lobby this, fight. this thing you and i always go back to this the thing <laughs> that we want video games to do isn't to just basically push their tech to make things look better it's to no. make environments feel more lived in and realistic yes. like you and i always talk about like the uh the golden days of like the havoc engine of all like the crazy like physics <laughs> like sci-fi shit like psyops the mind gate conspiracy yeah. and stuff like that just mess with physics more that's what we want to see not Generally, like one of the oh things- it's got extra shine on it well, that's the thing. I don't. Yeah, I don't need. That's the thing. I I don't need any of that opulent. Hey, look, it's a leaf and it's in 4K. If you zoom yeah. in, like I, I don't care about any of that. Like, put the rendering tech into the game. Gameplay comes first every time. Um, but yeah, in terms of the budgetary stuff, that's why Sam Lake, the creative director and the writer, was also Max Payne himself. So I wonder yeah. if they go back and they have to actually render that face out. Like, you can get a version of that face in Max Payne Three, but I don't such, know. If like, it's now. such an iconic face, though, isn't it? It just <laughs> looks like he's being punched in the balls, but smelling. <laughs> fans at the same time it's so bad for him i hope they get i hope they take sam lake and put him in a really fancy like up res motion capture studio yeah, and they actually get to yeah, finally yeah, become yeah. max Payne. um because for the anniversary he put the jacket back on and stuff which was really cool um but yeah i my, my default reaction was like yeah okay sure and max Payne one and two are on xbox already so whatever mm-hmm. um but i'm curious what they do to it and if they make it more like max Payne three i just want a patch for max Payne three as well yeah. that's my main thing my biggest hope is is that if this reignites uh, an interest in the series that we mm. might be able to see a continuation on something like Max Payne 4 because even Mm. though Max Payne 3 definitely felt in every sense like it concluded a lot of what Max Payne was all about Mm -hmm. and it's it was a very long game as well uh so it did it tell it told everything it needed to tell I do still think that there's more for Max as a character like I still feel like he hasn't fully completed his arc like I I don't you know, it, must it, be in it, just, sort of... it just seems like he's he's more acceptance that he's broken, like, and I I don't like that for characters. I want them to actually have a bit more of a redeeming end. You know? Yeah, I do quite like him wandering off into the sunset. But I, but you could do a Max Payne four about him trying to start a new family and finally being able to move on from everything yes, that drove yeah. him across one, two, and three. Um, because three's a phenomenal. I love three so much, and how yeah. his writing is so good. That it's the only rock star, only Max Payne. Um, but yeah, there's that whole thing where this deal, Rockstar apparently are putting up the money, putting up the funds, and um, but Remedy are going 
going to be remaking it using their Northlight engine, I think it's called, which is what they use for control. And I think the Alan Wake remake as well. Um, Fantastic so stuff. Hopefully it's all cool. Um, next question is from Derek McMullen, who says, I've been watching a lot of Zero Punctuation, and I wonder, do you guys agree with Yahtzee that the drive for better and better graphics in AAA is hurting gameplay? Also, Willie Araya says, I was amazed by the lightning and visuals in the Unreal 5 demo, but mm. I'm, I'm worried that with such high fidelity, most games will start looking the same. No focus in gameplay innovation. Hopefully there'll be exceptions, but thoughts. We already kind of touched on this before. Yeah. But it is true. Like, I mean, the amount of money that is being put into graphical wallop, like for me, compare Horizon Forbidden West's impact with Elden Ring's impact. Elden Ring didn't need the opulence and everything yeah, else and, and to you know get why? everybody talking. Because it had amazing art direction. That's yeah. the thing. Like direction will always trump technical uh, like milestones. Like if you, <laughs> it's not about what tech you have at your disposal. It's how you use it. It's not the your... size. It's how you use it. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> and like there are so many indie games that have amazing art styles, which mean that they will forever live on. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't understand when uh, they just hype up like, oh, these graphics are going to allow you to see like the individual pores on somebody's face. It's like, yeah. unless we're using the photo mode, which every game that necessarily does include now, it isn't like, Necessary to me. It doesn't matter to me enjoying the plot. More, like, give me a great written story. Put that money into like making sure that your developers aren't in crunch culture, like yep. things like that. I'd rather have that happen rather than it just be oh, it looks amazing and has like this amazing veneer. Because if the game is rotten underneath, then it doesn't matter. Like we all remember reading... the case of the Order eighteen. Is it eighteen sixty? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's um. That was an amazing looking game, but because all of the attention went into how that game looked aesthetically, it didn't have any substance beyond that four hour gameplay yeah. thing. And it was, it was, it was pretty shallow in terms of the actual gameplay itself. No, totally. And it's like, I remember reading that Last of Us 2's, uh, that the character's pupils dilate based on the amount of light in the room. And I'm like, that, yeah. that, that, okay, that's cool, but it has nothing to do with anything. Like it yeah. doesn't make me go, oh, well the story lands better then. Like it, or it plays better or whatever. Or the um, horse testicles shrinking and growing depending on the cold <laughs> in, in Red, Red Dead Redemption. It's like, it's like, okay, cool. You have done that. That is mm -hmm. fantastic. And I'm sure that it does create at some very small level, a bit more of an immersion factor, but I'm not staring at the horse bollocks well, true, the entire like, time. In Red Dead 2 as well, like, they have a whole thing where, which is like some stuff is really cool. Like in Red Dead 2, if you shoot a boat, like a little kayak that someone's standing in, it'll slowly flood with water yeah. and, and, and yeah. Like, sink. But at no point did you think to do that in a gameplay mission. At no point you have to take someone out and they try and get away on a kayak and then you shoot the kayak and yeah, beat them that make way. Those that points, would be great. Yeah, make those points actually part of the gameplay mechanics. Yeah. And then it'd be like, it was the classic one, goes back to Metal Gear Solid 2, where somebody mm. found out the individual ice cubes in yes. the town Anchor, uh, they actually melt over real time. It's like fantastic. That is a definitely Hideo Kojima moment. But at the same time, <laughs> it, it, has, it means nothing, nothing whatsoever. No. And it's kind of annoys me that he spent time doing it. Like, it's like that thing with the, the dilating pupils or whatever. It's like if I was in an Ellie Noir type detective game and I had to study a photo because a witness said they were somewhere and they're actually not because I can prove it because their pupils dilated or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Give me that. Like, give me, yeah, I want gameplay first. Like, I, it's not that I'm against opulence in video games, but I don't see enough. If we're talking yeah. about bars being raised, the gameplay bar doesn't meet the graphics bar. And my worry is, is that it always comes back to the consumer. Like mm. if you've got a big bloated budget that you have completely wasted on like your uh, shiny puddle effects and stuff mm. like that. At the end of the day, we're the ones fronting the price tag. And unfortunately, the developers are the ones put under pressure to make back that money that they've invested into it. So if somebody mm -hmm. gives you like... $300 million instead of I'll give you an extra $100 million on the top of that if you can make this game look even better. Mm. As a developer, if it was in my in my position, I'd say I really don't want that extra $100 million of pressure to sell the game <laughs> just because of the fact that it looks better. Like, yeah. like I want the gameplay to speak for itself mm. and 
not have to basically uh, make the consumer front my bill. Well, it's, it's, just, it's why I thought Horizon was just very safe and quite boring. And it's not like when I, I, I put a tweet out the other day, of like my top 10 games of the year, and it's like number seven or something. Like it's great. Mm-hmm. It ticks a mm-hmm. box. It's fine. It's solid. Um, but something like Sifu or Elden Ring or Oli Oli World or whatever is way more um, standout because they're doing new things. They actually do new things with yeah. gameplay. I just like, yeah, that whole opulent side of it um, just doesn't do anything for me anymore. Sifu is actually a great example of that mm. because would I enjoy Sifu more if it looked better? And I used it looked, the like the looked better too. if it was like, um, you know, had like those hyper-realistic gameplay, uh, hyper-realistic graphics. Mm-hmm. No, not in the slightest, because I actually enjoy the fact that a more reserved and almost cartoony approach allows it to take the role of a fable. It feels like yeah. you are watching a, uh, a myth unfold in front of you. And mm-hmm. that connects the game to a deeper understanding of its like, you know, Kung Fu history and also the way that it approaches spirituality and stuff like that so that makes sense and that art design fits it perfectly yep. and it didn't cost them the the earth and the moon in order to create well, it's just, so. i'll take a million identifiable distinguishable art styles over another homogenous big triple a budget yeah. look like, like i, you know, I could i could pick seafood out of a lineup and yes, i couldn't exactly. pick like uh like about to, from the early 2000s to 2010s like mm-hmm. the, all of the like the drab shooters that came out that used all the same unreal engine aspects yes. like i wouldn't be able to pick out those ones you know mm-hmm. and it's like i mean I, I, for me it kind of goes across like i have a whole problem at the minute with like how clean a lot of um tv production stuff looks like the new halo show or mm-hmm. uh, the witcher or um like there's just a lot of big budget like the, the wheel of time the new game of thrones that stuff like that they yeah. all look so clean the new lord of the rings thing it all looks very clean and it's just like well they're trying to yeah. sell you this idea of opulence and and like selling a 4k subscription or something or selling a they're 4K try, they're trying to sell look. you an individual image every frame as like yes. this could be a poster this could be a poster it's like i love it you can say that that is art and i love mm-hmm. the fact that somebody you can can make this look amazing, but it's not connected to the world. It feels so sterile. Ste- like, yeah, sterile is a perfect give, word for Give it. me the old Star Wars with the beaten up ships. Everything looks dirty <laughs> and like bit mucky. That's what I want. I don't mm-hmm. want the new hyper clean version where it looks like you've artistically scratched it. Like, remember when it was those trends where you had the ripped jeans and yes. they were like, they came pre-ripped. It's like, you're, it's like <laughs> the damage doesn't feel natural. So why are you making it look like this? Yeah. Very weird. So if you get it wrong in the TV space as well, it just looked, it just feels like a bunch of people standing in a forest. Like that was my thing yeah. with the Witcher. Yeah. It doesn't feel like they actually live there. Like that the movie that's coming out in a couple of weeks called The Northman, the next one from Robert Eggers, that actually yeah. looks like they live that life. Actually looks like a window into that that life. But yeah, that's a whole thing for TV and movies. But I feel some yeah. of it crossing over into games in regards to what a AAA game should look like and mm-hmm. what you can do with that. So yeah, I don't necessarily think I'm um, worried that everything will become too homogenized um, because the sheer big production distribution, uh, sorry, the uh, budget distribution means that you'll have to sort of skew toward different art directions to get your game to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. But I just want to see more of it. I don't see anywhere near enough of it, especially in the upper echelons of game development. Like you said, something like Sifu stands out so much because it is a great nexus of solid art direction, solid gameplay, everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's why, to me, Horizon is boring as hell. Um, <laughs> next thing from Stuart, who says, um, there is no point in Pot Noodle having other, flower, other flavors besides chicken and mushroom. The other flavors um, are subpar um, attempts. Do we agree or disagree, Jules? <laughs> okay, so obviously you know that Jules I wasn't made a noise always... There. I wasn't always a vegan, so I have uh, tasted the cheese mm. rainbow. Tasted, I've ridden the the. I was going to say the meat bus, but that is uh, that's an interesting the terminology bus. there. So like, yeah, the, the meat uh, subway. When it comes to flavors, a pot noodle, I mm. sampled them all, mate. I was a big Bombay bad boy lover uh, back in the time. <laughs> I was a um, love the uh, the chow mein one that they did. Yeah, they even did like good. the rare limited edition ones that came in. It was like an entire roast dinner one in the UK. I don't know if you ever tried that one. That was an <laughs> interesting way more one. Of me with these things. 
well, I say a connoisseur. I was just down the uh, the pound shop every week, and I was like, oh, that, that'll do, sort of thing. Like, uh, I genuinely think that if you're gonna if you're gonna come out here and put your little soapbox down and stand on top of it and tell me to my face that chicken and what was it, chicken and chicken uh, and mushroom, chicken and mushroom is the best flavor. I'm sorry, mate. I'm just going to get a big, <laughs> big whopper of beef and tomato and push it into each of your eye sockets Ooh. and say, there we go. There we go. That's is it, this, is the, this is a wider question. Would you take beef over chicken as a general thing? I know from your, from your pre-vegan days. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Like chicken goes with everything. Beef mm. at least has a real substantially different texture and flavor. I mm-hmm, feel like mm-hmm. chicken, so many people say like, oh, this tastes like chicken. And mm. it feels like such a ca- castaway thing of like, yeah, it's a generic meat type. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. so... A good chicken is amazing. <laughs> Anything less than that is just cool. I'm chewing a piece of cud. I kind of find that fried chicken is so high up there that nothing else beats it. So yeah, in my but mind- are you thinking that it's the skin, the fried chicken skin? Because it doesn't actually, like, as much as people want to tout it, very few fried mm. chicken places allow their flavors to seep into the chicken meat itself. It Very is all true. on the skin and never, it is literally the skin deep, you know? It's true. I'm, I'm not someone who strips the skin off though. You know, some people do that thing where they just, they just get the chicken skin and I just, I'm not, I'm not a chicken skinsman. I want to like, bite through all of it. Is that I don't know why KFC and places like that haven't just been like, look, a bucket listen, of skin. Yeah, yeah you know, there you go, like a, <laughs> a skin flagon. Like, I think you can't get a bucket of skin. I'm sure on no, your can. Can Bomb podcast, there was a one where Vinny mentioned getting a bucket of skin jobs. I don't know if you just ended up stripping <laughs> it, but <laughs> I'm sure that was a thing. But um, yeah, the fried chicken I had in New York from Stickies was the best uh, chicken I've ever nice. had. So it's so, going forward, please sound out your best fried chicken places. Um, and along- also tell us the rankings of the pot noodles as well. Yes. I, yeah, I uh, I haven't had that many pot noodles. I will back the chow mein one though. Um, it's mm-hmm. like hard to say the chicken mm-hmm. mushroom is the best. Um, McAllister NYC, um, who says in regards to all the E3 cancellation for this year, do we think that in-person gaming showcases will become a thing of the past? Also, don't you just love the backstab animations in Elden Ring? I don't, McAllister NYC, because they're the same ones from from Dark Souls 1. We've had the same thing for 10 years. There's a few new ones because obviously they added in a few new mm. weapon types, but yeah, it does feel very, it does feel very satisfying though, and I think mm. that's because they didn't change them because it's like, yeah, you know what you're getting with this. It's like a, <laughs> the old whoomph and then a whoomph. It is that little delay, and then you like wrench it out of them yeah. again. I did do, I did a, a kill on some giant lizard thing last night where I jabbed it in the eye and I sort of like flicked the blade downward, and the thing flew off backwards, and I was like, that was cool. Why couldn't I do that on everything? It's only been on like one thing. It would be nice if every single enemy type had their own like special animation yeah. you could trigger for it would it would be quite cool. Um, that would be a big fan. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really really want it all to work out while you're away. monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. 
With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. What was the main question again? Sorry, before I start it thinking was, about it. Um, oh, yeah, E3 <laughs> stuff, wasn't it? So, yeah, yes. like, I... Uh, Do you think in-person gaming stuff will go away? No, I don't think so. I don't think it'll go away. And I am actually really sad to see E3 go because it feels mm. like that is a big sort of drop from yeah. the general gaming consciousness that we have it. Yeah, it, and I don't know why. It feels like um, every single developer wants to have their own thing. They want to have their own celebration of their own games and not share mm. anything. But that level of of like gatekeeping of the entire industry doesn't make sense in the world that we live in. We well, the live thing in is worlds like, where consoles are moving towards streaming platform services, like we've mm. said before, to where every single um, developer and publisher is going to unify onto certain platforms and they have to work together and yeah. agree to sell their games to the widest possible market. So having them do this sort of almost petty showcase of just going like, oh, these are our games. It's like, okay, <laughs> fine. Like just I mean I think like it serves like it serves a good purpose in terms of getting like a, a mass public like letting the mass public have a window into what's coming up and let them get excited about certain things. But I think mm -hmm. if you're gonna tie if you're gonna make the show work, because obviously they've the reason E3 is dying is because the ESA suck. Like the, the parent mm -hmm. company behind E3 were charging like six, seven figures for um, hosting. And obviously all those companies, like you said, were just like, well, we can just stream this or we can just yeah. put this out yeah. as a demo or whatever. We don't need to pay your money. E3 is not worth that much. But mm -hmm. I think the idea of an in-person play session, that energy in those rooms or those arenas yeah. or whatever, that is really cool. And, and there is something to that in terms of seeing big trailers and playing a demo early or whatever. So I think those will come back, but I think it'll be more mainstream as we go forward. Like when you and I went to EGX the, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, like it's those moments when you go in and you actually just, you witness where gaming is at that moment yeah, in time. Fun. And it feels amazing to be a part of it. And it's that connection that makes you walk away and think, oh, I'm not just going to have see a name or a trailer mm -hmm. in like a couple of weeks time and say, I might get that game. You'll go back to it and think, I remember waiting like, 45 minutes to an hour just to get 10 minutes alone like, with like Doom Eternal. Like uh -huh. I want this game because I have tasted it. And I yeah. and I remember the anticipation, the excitement, the hype. Like it's 
it's something that you can't exchange for in uh, online streaming. I also think, like, I mean, there was a great, there was a moment where we we were doing loads of coverage and stuff, and then we split off at one point, and you went to sort of have a bit wander on the indie space. I, was, yeah. I think I was in a queue for something, so you were like, I'm going to go see what else there is. And I remember you coming back being like, I just found, that we found some cool little indie games, and I think that's really fun. Like, window shopping mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. video games is really fun. Like, seeing them all ready to be played is really cool. And you found that game, which now I'm blanking on the name of, that was the Roll Cage spiritual successor. Oh, yeah, and yeah, it was, yeah, um, yeah. Whatever that thing was called. And um, yeah, we ended up, yeah, I think at Rift or whatever it's called. And we ended up playing that just over and over and over again. We had other big yeah. things to get to, but we did like 10 races in that thing. And it was just awesome. And like I said, I think that has a certain value to it um, in terms yeah. of just being like, I'm going to hop on this and play for a bit and you can just try things out. And the developers are right there um, and just talking to devs and talking yeah, to those teams. That's, that's really cool too. That's really important, having that connectivity to the actual game itself. Like um, I know that some people, when we were talking to like the bigger games, like the uh, mm. people who were designing Hitman, people who designed Doom Eternal, they were obviously tight-lipped about what they could and couldn't share but there was a few like little nuggets here and there that they spread but when you got down to like the indie level they were willing to lay bare the entire game's premise what they were building their design ethos and all of these things that made you get excited for them because you could see how much of a passion project it was Mm -hmm. you don't get that same level of investment emotional intensity by watching a trailer for the most part like if we were watching it uh, the same game of that grip game of playing out you might even see people just immediately go oh it's a roll cage ripoff oh it's this oh it's that sort of thing and it's like it's almost a negativity because people just immediately look at it dismiss it or accept Mm -hmm. it that's it you get a split second reaction but seeing it in person and talking to the devs and finding out how committed they were to making something feel both nostalgic and moving it forward i was like yeah that i'm buying into your sort of like life story now yeah. I like that. and it's like in-person gaming stuff is has gone away so much like split screen multiplayer has gone like things like that but it's like you know you can in those um spaces you might see a fighting game and someone's waiting for a, a challenger or like you know the, in our case it was a crash team racing tournament going on yeah. and it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff like that and i'm like we we miss those things we grew up with that energy in the 90s the 2000s like being around people playing games and like with online connections or whatever it's not as much it's not in front of you as much but i think you can miss that energy of a group of people watching a game be played whether even if it's a solo thing um yeah there's i think those things will only will continue but i think that they'll get more mainstreamy yeah it also had like one other aspect that i loved which was every single gaming convention that we've been to always has a section to uh dedicate to retro games like they mm. always have like a few consoles set up here and there from like old games of the past do mm-hmm. like and it's lovely seeing like uh, kids and younger gamers look going up to them being like, oh, this is like what came before. Isn't mm-hmm. that like amazing to see like what was acceptable back in the day or like what people put up with or couldn't yeah. do. And it's just like, yeah, I feel like as much as it moves stuff forward each time that we get to these E3 events or equivalents, it's all definitely about looking back at where the gaming industry came from as well. And once you can have that, you can truly appreciate or depreciate what's going on in yeah. the industry today. Well, I, I like standing in a room of gaming ephemera, like giant statues. Of, I mean, yeah. when, like back in back then, like some stuff was like Overwatch characters or whatever it is. It's like yeah, you, yeah. you're surrounded by all these cool things that you only see in digital form and them all being physical is a fun rush and then getting to interact with everything um, is really cool. Next question from Morgan Eyes Only. This is an interesting uh, talking point. He says, how does it feel when you have to advertise things you're fundamentally against? For example, mm. when you guys were bashing Battlefield, but at the start of every podcast, there was a minute-long advert saying how great Battlefield 2042 was. Is it frustrating or is it just part of the job? It's it's a tough one. Um, in this industry, uh, as everyone knows, we won't sugarcoat it. You've got to pay the bills. Um, yeah. And uh, for our employers, obviously, there are certain things that we're tasked with. And if we disagree with stuff fully, uh, they are 
pretty receptive to that and they will say you don't have to uh, mm-hmm. to do that like if you truly don't believe in it but there have been some like misguided times where you thought that a game was going to be better than it was or you mm. pre-recorded stuff based on the uh the demos and stuff that you've been sent early and then the game comes out and it's not in a proper state because mm-hmm. of launch issues and stuff like that that can obviously have like a detrimental effect on where we sit as a personal opinion and the image we put out as a company scheduling um, is a really is a really big part of it yeah. because you you sign off on entire windows of sponsorship stuff and like yeah you're, you're hoping for the best like i mean everything running in like for example with battlefield everything in the run-up to that game's launch looked really solid like there was that early uh playtest thing that like was a bit more worrying but yeah we were we were prepping stuff for that launch window like as yeah. any company would do but also i i honestly i draw very specific lines between this stuff like we mm-hmm. do sponsored content and we do editorials and lists and whatever else and because someone's paid us for a sponsored thing we don't owe them lifetime positive coverage nor do we no, owe them anything no, 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 in no. between those adverts like that's just not how life works at least not for me like um there's been a few times where it's been quite actually a pleasure to work with some of the uh, mm. uh people on their promotion like when we did some stuff for Sekiro it's like yes. a game we all believed in and that mm-hmm. is there's no better feeling than walking out there and feeling 100% confident that it's going to be an absolute banger mm-hmm. but sometimes it hits you for a loop like I remember we went to you and I personally went to the Star Wars Battlefront to uh, like <laughs> yeah. a preview event mm-hmm. and Which was awesome. obviously it was awesome that's the thing if you were to take away our thoughts from that one point where we got to play the first level of the single player uh, and we got to play a little bit of like other scenes as well mm-hmm. and we got to have a demo and other bits we walked away from that saying this game's going to be an absolute stone cold classic it's going to be a success and mm-hmm. you report on that in the moment that is what it is Obviously, you don't have the foresight to see what uh, the loot box shenanigans well, they that came out about any of that stuff anyway. Yeah, because they were, and they even said there wasn't going to be any, or there wasn't yeah. like there weren't plans for it. Like it's all about like how they carefully word it so that they can get around it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's like it can feel a little bit like a slap in the face from developers who essentially need us to promote their games as much as we need them to provide stuff to promote to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. It's a, a very weird symbiotic relationship that we have with them, and it can be quite harsh when you're just like cool i've literally just said your game is going to be the best and i turned around <laughs> you absolutely dunked on yourself and the rest of the fan base it's kind of like it's our own... like an idiot personally well, for that's saying the thing. It. like yeah we always like obviously we have like full editorial creativity like you if you think something sucks we can do 10 reasons it sucks like or we can yeah. like, you know you can you can do whatever you need to do and so it is always weighing those things up but like yeah you're not going to not be sponsored by people because we have a big enough platform and then like jules said it pays the bills so it is just it is walking both those lines simultaneously or walking that line between the two but we've yeah. never i've never been fundamentally against anything like at, at the end of the day they're video games they're entertainment it's if it's not a real world thing that i'm pretending i like yeah. that i hate genuinely like yeah do you know what actually has been quite fun is been uh there are some uh companies out there who are just aware that their mm. public reception isn't the best uh and it's yeah. like um who are the people who make uh raid shadow legends like if they realized that they were just <laughs> becoming much memed because they were everywhere they just right. were like they were almost being despised of because of the fact that they were everywhere in mm. everybody's videos and so they just turned around and said like look you can rip the piss out of us you can just yeah. do whatever you want like as long as you've played the game and you uh, uh, have had fun with it and i've prepared to do a little story about it mm-hmm. you can just basically just say this game is weird like it's like over the top like it's everywhere like they they were really relaxed with that sort of stuff i think as well like we never did all out this game sucks don't buy it and then we ended mm-hmm. it we always had reasons we had a constructive yeah, feedback yeah. josh was playing it constantly and as was i and as was benroy when that game was out so i've never we've never done a video where we just said this thing sucks bottom line it's always no but they, they allowed us a bit more tongue-in-cheek affair of like yeah. how we approached it yeah but i think like you know if you do one of those videos where you say this thing sucks or you shouldn't buy this or whatever and that gets then if that ever gets pulled up by a pr which is extremely 
extremely rare like, like that someone gets in touch and says oh we didn't like this thing that you did and um, you can then have that conversation and be like well here's here are the issues with it that we pointed out that the rest of the world is also talking about as well yeah and that's usually fine like it's it's hella rare that that's ever actually happened anyway but in the rare, uh, you know when we've had to like back yeah. up our criticism i can and we can i get the the bleed over where it's it would be cool if we endorse every single thing that we're talking about and most yeah. of the time we do we yeah. don't take those contracts if it's something that we hate also with battlefield as well like it wasn't a complete lost cause like that was always the thing that josh was trying to bring up because we had so many conversations in between those videos of josh going like well i don't hate it i'm not even that against it here's here's the things that i like about it um but also we're going to point out the failures of the game like that was a very unique uh, instance and obviously like that's probably why Morganize only is bringing it up because that did feel like it was it, it had a foot in both sides it was like yeah, yeah this yeah. game is an absolute tire fire but also it's kind of cool in these areas but it's not a battlefield game in full so we should address that I guess there is like one closing thing to say as well, which is that because we are a company that is made up of a collection of different mindsets mm. and like different attitudes towards gaming, we all love gaming, but we all love completely different types of games. Mm. It can create the, uh, the divide between what the company's image is actually saying and what the individual is actually saying. Cause it's like, I might personally have hated battlefield, but like, <laughs> and I might've said so in, in like lists and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but like, it doesn't mean that the, everyone overall hated Battlefield. No, so it's like, it's like wh which is the voice you want to listen to? Is it yeah. mine or is it the company's or is it like whoever's? So. Yeah, and it's like, you know, obviously they have advert packages that they want to get put together. And like I said, like there is always going to be some level of genuine feeling from us as to this game is worth covering at all. Otherwise we would have turned that advert down. Mm -hmm. um, but that's why, that's what makes something like Battlefield so fascinating because it did have flaws. It did have positives. It had everything. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, and the way that the scheduling and everything worked out, it, it did mean that the, the both those things were together in the same podcast with like we would open up the podcast was maybe called something like battlefield's a huge disappointment but the yeah. opening thing that you hear is is just yeah. about battlefield yeah. 2042. Yeah. so i get why that's an absolute um uh, conflict necessarily in a, a specific podcast final question from jacob sawyer who says since lord of the rings rings of power and game of thrones house of the dragon drop within 12 days of one another which are you looking forward to the most and which do you think will come out on top do you know what? I, I am going to be overwhelmed. I'm going to be right. overwhelmed by choice here because I just don't know which one to, to watch <laughs> first because I'm quite slow when it comes to uh, like getting on the bandwagon. Like mm. everyone will have already finished watching season five by the time right. that I jump on season one because I kind of like to take my time. I like to wait for the hype to die down. But this time I'm just like, Kerry and I are like looking around thinking, what should we watch next? What's the, what's the next thing we want to watch? So it's like, this is the perfect opportunity to pick one and stick to it. Mm. And I don't know because I, I want to divide my attention between three different shows and not mm. be invested because of it. I'm curious how they go down because I feel like Game of Thrones reputation was so done after the last season. And I feel like all the yeah. people were talking about how little the, the trailers for House of the Dragon were being watched and how little social media traffic was being done about it. And then the Lord of the Rings, the teaser they put out looked, like I mentioned that with the whole uh, Halo show and stuff, looked Too so st sterile and yeah. clean. Yeah. And so for me, I'm actually not bothered. I'll check the pilots out for both, but I'm not looking forward to either. I look at the Lord of the Rings movies as a masterpiece that's already been done. Mm -hmm. So I, mm -hmm. I it's in a, a hell of a high bar to get to. And Game of thrones um it's gonna have to do a lot to win me back considering how much of a mess that final season was i feel like game of thrones is on the back foot like you said mm. um because of its uh public and critical reception to the mm. last season and i do think that people are just gonna really try and meme on it hard i get this feeling right. like like every little thing <laughs> is gonna be dragged over the coals like mm. and probably quite unfairly because there are probably some people here who are giving this even more effort because they want to prove that this is like the phoenix mm. moment for the series mm. But I just feel like it's just going to be harshed on. Um, the Lord of it's the Rings one, I'm actually really excited for mm -hmm. out of all of them because I I don't know what stories are left to tell right. because I don't because I don't know what, what 
what angle they're going to be approaching uh, from. But it's, I the, do... it's like the really ancient stuff, I think. It's like, I haven't always... been following it too much, but it's set like thousands of years before yeah. the Fellowship stuff. But it's like, how are they going to try? Are they going to try and do a Star Wars thing and try and tie mm. everything into um, the current Lord of the Rings canon? Or are they going to allow organic stories to uh, to develop and just have them completely separate? And I mm. really hope it's the latter. I yeah. don't like fan service stuff. Like, I, I finally got around to watching book of boba fett mm-hmm. and i was like loving it loving it loving it a lot and then it just was like here's everything you remember <laughs> and let's just try and push forward with other shows and it's like ah oh, it just became a real advertising campaign here's really heavily weird, in the like, second half of that ai version of luke skywalker that's not even mark hamill at all it's just an ai yeah. voice pattern thing and a cg body and yeah that's what it gets and it was weird. because it tried to tie everything back into uh the established stuff or just make sense within its own thing mm. but i was like mate you could have gone for another season without having to do all of that like, yeah like, it's just yeah i mean i'm yeah i'm curious how much the, the uh, rings of power stuff like because obviously it's called rings of power to contend with game of thrones yeah so like there's there is that i'm curious how much it can manage to stand alone like on its two feet kind of thing Um, it's weird that we haven't seen more of it yet but i guess we'll mm-hmm. we'll see what other teasers and stuff drop um towards the release but yeah that's going to be an interesting showdown across the summer because there's not that much other big entertainment stuff out so well, apart like from is it cake, out. mate? Obviously, well, uh, also, what what's this cake thing? I saw mate, you tweet. All right, all oh, right, okay. So, is I it not cake anymore? Oh, don't. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna explain it to you and why I think that it is a, a literal pile of steaming garbage. I might assume um, the, is the first episode like a sewing machine. There's like three sewing machines and one that's not a sewing machine. And you, they just you, go. You, that's right, not okay. cake. Right, okay. So this is it. This is the entire premise of the game. You've okay. summed it up immediately. What you do is you just get a load of real life objects and one of them is it cake. Yeah. Uh, one of them is cake and you have to ask, is it cake? And you just get like all these people and like they're amazing bakers. Do not get me wrong. Like they, right. the cake making that they do is insane. But it's just that like Kerry was watching it with me and she was able to pick out of like five examples, every single one immediately. She's like, that's clearly cake. And yes. I was like, how? And it's like, because it doesn't look real. And I'm just like, oh yeah, now you said that. It's like, oh yeah, it doesn't look real. It's like, it's not even like the same shape. It's like too I was the very or... beginning of that. And then, uh, yeah, because I, I turned this off immediately because I was like, is this all this is? Like, it yeah, was that's like, literally all it is. Here's the, the four host, things. Oh man, the host has got to get in a bin. I <laughs> hate him. Like, I'm not, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. I'm sure that he's like a completely nice person, but my God, is he great. Rating. The first right. thing he does is he like comes out on the first episode and he pulls out like a samurai sword and he just goes like, I've got a sword. And they didn't even tell me about cake? this. And I'm just, I'm like, this isn't a kid's TV show. I know mm. that we're talking about cake here, but this is serious damage. I just, Stop I don't it. know how you make that angle last a whole show. Like, is it, is it cake? No. Right. Like, is it cake? What you yeah. need for this show is to have a host that's kind of like Jack D levels of sardonic, like yes. really sour. So it's just like, I heard that name it, in a long time. Just imagine him just going like, is it cake? I, I don't know. I, who cares? Who cares? Like literally just, just turn the show into a skit, like parody of itself about yes. game shows. Right. And you get the contestants on and every week you just freak them out by the guy just not being invested <laughs> in the game show itself. I would watch the hell out of that show. Just I would, like, yeah. I would watch it out as someone who can't get out of the room until they've answered so many cake based questions and just watch them slowly lose their minds. Yeah. And he's like, what, the, and, is this and, one? The, and the host is there, like slumped over the little podium, reading from his cue cards, and he's there, like, "Oh my god!" Like, just like, come on, like how? And he just constantly is breaking character. And he's just there, like, "How long have we got left on shooting? Forty-five minutes." Oh my god! Well, that's okay, clearly cake. Come on, we're not even trying anymore. That's just an yeah. actual cake. Or he just, or instead of using the like knife to cut it, at least make it more interesting and yeah. have him get his fist right and just <laughs> smash the cake like that. And basically, he's got the fifty-fifty of not hitting the right cake, and he just smashes it just onto a real punching, object. Really hurts 
machines. Whatever he needs to do. Yeah, to you punch a so. I would watch somebody <laughs> punch a sewing machine and call it a game show. I love it. We could do fist, a, a version bang. of that. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. That's a hell of a lot more compelling than uh, Netflix's Is It Cake? Um, I don't know what the hell I was going to talk about. Probably the end of this show. This has been the yeah. Entire Partner Podcast. I've been Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gale. Thank you very much for having me. Is it come, cake? Is it cake? <laughs> and also come find us on Twitter. I'm at slash LP89. Mr. Jules is... I'm at RetroJ, but the O is a zero. Be beautiful. Thank you to everybody for sending in their questions. And thanks again for wishing me the best. Hopefully I'll sound even better next week. But for now, we'll catch you then. It's on the mend. UBP, UBP, UBP. UBP. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.